And welcome to season three of the JKR podcast presented by JKR Baseball. My name is Jay Shriglin and I will be your host. We're excited to continue the JKR podcast with season three of episodes. This season, we are expecting many great series with top-tier travel organizations across the country, while we also spotlight commits, collegiate, and professional players from across the United States. It is our goal to be the player's platform for all of prep baseball. As we continue to do this, make sure to stay on top of the J-Care podcast episodes, but also tune into the other features that J-Care Baseball presents. That includes blogs like the lineup card written by John Sparacco, player-based events like Battle of Indiana, Summit City Baseball Academy, and other events being announced very, very soon. With Season 3, that comes two new programs for athletes to enjoy. Those are the JKR Brand Ambassador Program and the JKR Athlete Creators Program. To stay on top of all these features, check out jkrpodcast.com to learn more. I genuinely appreciate everything you guys have done for me and the JKR brand over the past two years, and I hope to continue to build both the JKR brand and the game of baseball for years to come. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. Today's episode sponsor is Mind Baseball, located in Dallas, Texas. Their bats are made from 100% European beech wood, which allows for more density, which then leads to more power. I mean, who doesn't want more power? We all know chicks dig the long ball. Multiple studies prove that beech outperforms maple, birch, and ash that you're probably used to swinging. Beech wood straight grains mean for less breaks, and Mind Baseball exceeds the MLB regulations in that category. Are you also frustrated with seeing the dried paint spots on your barrel? Mind Baseball uses a family secret technique that leaves a perfect finish every time. If you set their bat next to another brand, you will make sure that you see the difference. Lastly, they also use a built-in grip to reduce vibrations. It is the same technology that is used to reduce recoil in rifles. Make sure to check them out. Go find them on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Um, on Instagram, their username is at mine, M-I-N-E, baseball. Check them out, but let's dig into today's episode. And welcome back to the JKR Podcast. Today we interview PRP founder and director Greg Vo and PRP Mambas coach Seth Story. Got them here on the JKR Podcast for the PRP Mambas pam- panel for the PRP Baseball Series. Guys, pumped to have you guys here on the show. Greg, I know you were here on yesterday as well. So, you know, lots of conversations going on here this week, digging into PRP Baseball. But, you know, pumped to have both you guys here on the show today. How are you guys doing today? Pretty good. Appreciate you having me on. How are you doing? Doing well. You know, of course, you know, great to have you guys here on the show. But, you know, before I know, Greg, I asked you this question yesterday, too. So I guess you might want to give us the rundown here one more time. Yeah, it's just the same question I like to ask everybody to get it started. Just kind of the, you know, the mojo of the JKR podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, Seth, you can go first here. Greg, you can kind of go ahead as well. Kind of give that same rundown as yesterday. But, you know, before we dig into the baseball side, for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Seth's story? Who exactly is Greg Foe? Give us the rundown on who exactly you guys are. Um, I've been, I think my life foundation is baseball. So um, there's really not a whole lot outside of baseball, to be honest. Uh, I do business stuff also, but I would say that uh, I think it's in my blood. Baseball's just nonstop for me. Um, been coaching for about 10 years or so and uh, love it. Love it almost as much as I did playing, so. 
Yeah, I mean, same for me. Obviously, our background we talked about yesterday, but um, being a father, being a husband, um, doing baseball is about my entire life. So, um, you know, I like being on the baseball field. I like being in the train sector and anything I can do around the baseball field is great for me. Okay, awesome. Well, Greg, I know we talked about, you know, your baseball background there yesterday. So I'm going to go ahead and give Seth the floor here just a little bit, give a little background on him, his coaching experience, his playing experience as well. Seth, there's a couple of questions I asked Greg and some questions I'm going to be asking the rest of the PRP staff here this week. But, you know, before coaching, before PRP, kind of just take us through, you know, your baseball upbringing, where your passion for the game came from. I know you said that's pretty much what your life evolves around is the game of baseball. So, you know, take us through, your baseball upbringing, where your passions come from. I know you, you know, played ball there at Indiana Tech and Anderson as well. So just kind of take us through that experience and just everything before PRP, before your coaching career got started. Take us through all that. Uh, yeah, uh, my dad played at Ball State, so I was just kind of raised on it. And then uh, played at Eastbrook. It's a small, small rural high school that uh, really focuses only on football. Um, so going into college, I really didn't have a whole lot of coaching proper coaching I would say it was more kind of just teachers that wanted to do it and um, realizing the magnitude of important coaching going into college kind of was where I started transitioning into the love of the game for coaching on the coaching aspect so uh, yeah played at Indiana Tech and then Anderson finished my degree at Indiana Westland and uh, started into coaching there. Okay, so you get to start there in coaching after your playing career comes to an end. Take us through some of those experiences you had, maybe even some of the biggest adjustments you had to make going from the playing side to the coaching side. You know, those first couple of years of your coaching career, you know, what was that looking like? Um, it's more so you have to focus on the attention to detail as a in a group setting and what it takes. It's almost like for me having a business background, the management side of it, you have to manage every little aspect of it. You can't just focus on yourself. Um, that was the biggest thing I had to do and realize um, the faults that some kids have and where you need development, developmental needs for those kids. Um, I think that was the biggest change I had to make. Okay. So before coming to PRP, I know you did get the chance to, you know, you went back there to your high school, go coach there at Eastbrook, went to HSE there for a couple of years as well. Mm -hmm. Also yep. coaching for the Indiana Bulls and Phenoms there for a couple of years too. Take us through maybe some of those memories that come to mind when you think of those experiences, kind of throwing it back there a couple of years, you know, maybe even the difference between coaching travel baseball and high school baseball. Greg, I know that's a question I asked you there yesterday as well. I mean, kind of take us through those experiences there before PRP. Um, with a high school baseball, there's just a little more control that coaches have compared to travel baseball. You're kind of just getting them together, working on certain aspects that you're going to have them for the summer. Um, high schools year round. I mean, it's team building, it's conditioning, it's the whole, it's the whole package. Um, experience wise, I know we talked about like favorite memories, but I just think it's more the relationships I've built with players and other coaches, um, like at, HSE, I'm still good friends with everybody I coached with there. Um, the relationships I build with some of the players, I still talk to some. I coached my first year at Eastbrook and my first year at HSE. So I just think being able to build those relationships and um, continue those relationships is kind of more important to me than anything else. Okay, so one last thing before we do dig into, you know, the PRP mamas and everything that's been going on there for them. Again, it's another question I asked Greg and another question I'll be asking pretty much all you guys on that PRP coaching staff. You know, there are a lot of, you know, young baseball players, maybe guys in college listening to this podcast, um, you know, guys who I'm assuming will probably go on to be baseball coaches at some point in their lives. 
what would be that advice for them, for new coaches getting into the whole, you know, that transition from playing to coaching? What would be that, that advice for those type of guys? I think the biggest thing is making sure that the players that you're coaching understand that you're there for, you're investing in not in them and not just a team or winning. It's you're investing in that person as an individual um, that they can uh, understand that there is a relationship founded on trust. Um, I think that, proves uh with really good dividends in the long run okay all right so kind of digging into the prp mamas obviously this is kind of the main topic of today's show you know great couple yeah. questions here before maybe seth came on board here i know you started it back what was it 2021 i guess you had to give us the rundown on you know you have this prp program you know like we talked about yesterday for everyone who kind of wants to run into that you know go listen to that episode but you know kind of take us through Where's the decision to, you know, create this in-house 18U program? What were some of the motivations to do it? Kind of take us through that decision-making process to get the PRP Mamba started. Yeah, I, mean, I think the biggest thing is um, the summer of 2020 when everything was kind of opening back up and college summer leagues were pretty much shut down. We had talked about the idea of running um, a summer team. And the 18U level was probably the easiest one to get into with all the co the competition locally. Um and we had some players that we trained in-house that said, yeah, we'd love to do that. Um, we don't know where we would go play, so um, can we do this? And we were like, well, I mean, help us build the team because this is the first time doing it. And um, like two days later, they had like 12 players that were all the top players in the Midwest, uh, part of Indiana. And they were like, yeah, we're all in. We're like, okay. Um, you know, we need to figure out a name and uh, colors and, and, and logos and all these things. And and it was a couple weeks later, um, it was actually during our summer camp. We had a couple of our best players work in our summer camp. And during that summer camp, we literally just made a travel team. Um, but Seth was on that coaching staff as well. Um, I wasn't with the Blue Jays yet, so I was more in-house at that time. And and Seth and Noah Neiswanger, uh, a couple of our coaches that were helping on the side, um, you know, helped us build the team, build the roster. And that first summer was a lot of fun. I mean, we got right into things. We were playing the top teams in the Midwest every weekend. Um, no one really knew who we were. You know, we had a, a big roster and uh, bright uniforms and, and walked on the field a little bit of a presence. And, you know, we played really good throughout the summer. Um, we got to a very interesting start. The first game we threw a no-hitter, and then we lost the next three games. Um, so it was a tough start at Midland uh, the first week, and everyone was like, okay, let's, uh, let's figure this back out. And then we went and placed in the top eight at, at WWBA that second week. So, you know, obviously, you know, once you put yourself on the map with – some of those top teams, you start to get a little bit different feeling of, you know, what your pool play is and what Sundays look like um, in the travel ball realm. But, you know, really we're just getting our feet wet with understanding what that dynamic of, of 18U baseball was because we had guys going to, to pro workouts. We had guys getting to campus early. You're dealing with grad parties, you're doing graduation, you're dealing with teams made to the state finals. Um, there's just a lot of different variables that go into it. So, you know, we learned a lot, but we also immediately had a presence on, the 18U travel baseball world um, in that first season. I think we ended up getting right to the top 10 um, by PG in that first year. And we played, what, seven games with them, Seth? We only did one yeah. tournament. Everyone else is like one tournament. 14 and three, and we were like six and one or something. Um, so, yeah, it was a good experience. It was a great group of kids. A lot of them we had trained for a while, and, you know, some kids we'd never met. But the cool part about that was is some of the kids that never knew PRP or, or had the opportunity to work with PRP – um, they had that chance in the summer to work with our coaches, take advantage of the services of the, the daily workouts, you know, the arm care side of things, managing their throwing schedules. Um, so we learned a lot from them and they learned a lot from us.
Okay. So Seth, you being on that first year coaching staff, kind of take us through the connection you had with Greg, how you guys got connected, connected, you know, how everything kind of worked out for you to be a part of that PRP coaching staff. Take us through that and just that connection with PRP and to be a member of that initial coaching staff there for the Mambas. Yeah. Um, I've known Greg for, I mean, it was 11, 12 years now. I mean, it's been forever. Uh, we played together at Anderson. And then when I moved down to HSE, uh, he asked me to help him coach another travel team. And we did that for, what was it, five years probably? And then Three or four years. Yeah. And then I coached at HSE while he coached at Noblesville and Zionsville. So always been good friends with him. And then it kind of just came back up after I took a couple years off after I uh, left HSE and just went right back into it. And I think the difference between what we did before and the Mambas is the attention to detail is magnified. We have a little more control of what we're able to do and what the freedom we have. And I really enjoy the, the attention detail because the kids buy into that as well. Okay. So I know you said there's a lot of unknown, sorry, you had a lot of in-house players that were there on that initial team there. Is it summer 2020 or 2021? 2021 senior class because okay. the senior year of 2020 was pretty much shut down. Okay. All right. So, you know, you guys have a lot of in-house players there for that first team. You said there were a lot of unknown players that some of those in-house guys went and recruited and helped, you know, helped you guys build this team that first summer. Did you see a lot of those, you know, guys that maybe you guys didn't know beforehand eventually become PRP clients? How exact did that benefit the PRP training side that first summer with the PRP Mambas? Yeah. I mean, I, I think uh, our leaderboards got shattered the first winter with Mambas because all the Mambas players came down for like Mount Velo testing, pull downs. And we had like one or two guys that ever broken a hundred and we had like a whole practice worth of guys hitting 95 to 103 and pull downs and shuffle step throws. We had a couple guys that have thrown as hard as they've ever thrown in that winter um, just by the Saturday practices and some, and some winter programming. Um, you know, a couple guys, Carter Dorn, uh, was one that was from up north and couldn't get to us, but he knew Gomez. He had done some training with him in the past, and he just came down for Saturdays with Ty Gill, and they got to work in on the hitting side, defensive side, and you know Carter ended up becoming one of the guys that came back for a while and, and did a bunch of stuff. Um, obviously, we had a good summer with him, and he's doing well at Purdue now. And there's there's a lot of players in that group: Garrett Harker, another one, Tommy O'Connor, guys that were, you know, not only impact players in high school, but are but are impact players at the college level now. Um, so it was cool to see them, you know, not only do it, but also come back. Um, and not just those guys, that whole group. We've had a lot of guys that have been back every winter and summer. Um, it's a big benefit for them because if you play on the Mambas, you get 50% off any training in the future. So if you play college or professional, you, whatever we charge those guys, they get 50% off for life. So kind of an added benefit, the longer they play, they're going to save more money just by coming back to us and, and sticking with the same coaching style and, and trainers when they need that help. Yeah, so having a pretty successful summer there for the first year of the PRP Mambas, going from 2021 to 2022. Greg, I believe that's when you got hired by the Blue Jays there in January. So when that happens, Seth, how do you maybe step up there that next summer? How do you guys go about recruiting that second team of the Mambas? Seth, can I take us through how you know you stood up there, Greg, kind of what your role was there going from maybe coaching the Blue Jays, maybe being a little bit involved there as well. Can I take us through that 2021 to that 2022 summer. Seth, you can kind of start it off there. Yeah, before before Greg left, every year we usually um, start recruiting right at the tail end of that summer. Um, so usually the last tournament or two, we'll sit down uh, as assistants and then with Greg and go through kind of a list of all the Midwest players we were looking at and kind of filter through positions and needs. 
So we kind of already had an idea. And then Greg was there for practices when we started that team. And then it kind of just transitioned into uh, more of a responsibility when he left. So I just took it on and understood that we need to keep it going on the right trajectory and not lose anything with that. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing there is that the roster was done, the schedule was done, winter practices were almost done before I'd head out. And basically what Seth and I just talked about shifting, you know, the coaching duties over to him, you know, running the show there and giving some more help on the side. Um, and then my role just became more of general manager and communicator. Um, obviously, there were some things that I was able to do in the summer. I was able to travel uh, from Florida to a few of the tournaments, um, a lot of back and forths. <laughs> one day, two day trips to tournaments, um, but it was worth it. Especially that group that, that 22 class was, is probably our best class to date. Um, not from the Mamba side uh, in particular, but more of just how many guys we trained that graduate in that class. So some of those guys I've been trained for four five, six years. Um, so that group, I really wanted to help finish off before I got to college. And, you know, they had a great summer. Um, they did really, really well. They finished strong. Um, and then obviously year three, um, Seth and I just more split the duties of trying to help recruit team, um, schedule stuff, hotels, all the things that go into travel baseball duties on the coaching staff. Um, this will be Seth's second year, like running the actual team throughout that summer. Um, and making sure our coaching staff's doing what they're supposed to do, players are where they need to be, all the fun things at travel baseball at 18U level. Yeah. So, as you guys, you know, to, Seth, you kind of brought up recruiting there about how when you guys go about recruiting those teams, it's kind of going ahead, happening right after that previous summer was already started. Take us through how you guys go about the whole recruiting process. You know, you're going after a lot of PRP clients, or maybe there's some other guys that you're trying to, you know, be like, hey, you know, 18U baseball is pretty legitimate here in the Midwest. Come play for us. Take us through maybe that recruiting pitch, how you guys go about it, um, you know, whether that's location wise, whether that's Indiana, entire Midwest, whatever. Kind of take us through how you guys go about that recruiting process there, late summer, early fall, finding that next summer's team. Yeah, it's really convenient when we have guys in-house that we want because they already trust us enough to do their workouts and programming on a yearly basis. So them already seeing the results that they want, they're usually bought in. I mean, I don't think we've had anybody turn us down in-house that wants to. So, um, And we kind of just use that as a recruiting pitch for – anybody we're looking at, whether it's Midwest, South, whatever it may be, just the whole package as a whole. It's not just that summer. It's not just your summer team. You can do programming. You get all the individualized treatment you want. Um, I think that's the biggest thing that a lot of travel teams don't offer that we do is the individualization that we have. Um, there's a kid on our team this year. He's been down probably 10 times already. Um, we work for an hour every Sunday, just do on hitting stuff that he wants to do. And he's already seen, he's already seen progress. So I think that kids are, should understand that the summer team is great and it's good for bridging that gap between your senior year and your freshman, but it's the off season leading up to your senior year. That's important. And I think the way we're going to structure practices, um, which start this Saturday are going to go back to getting every kid to buy in that way and be a little more individualized, kind of like what a spring training would be. So when we recruit them like that, a lot of people are just like, Hey, come play for us next summer. It's not, you need to come here and do this program, get better as a whole. And then in the summer, show the benefits off. All right, Greg, you have anything to add there? Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing there to just to add on to it is like, as he mentioned, the training component is just so much of a benefit for the players because 
we don't have to talk financial side of it, but what, we don't know how expensive travel baseball is and how expensive training is. Um, our, our Mambas players get about 50% off the training and the travel for free. They get hotel rooms for free. They get all the gear. Um, it's not a, it's nothing financially for us that we're looking to gain on. It's more providing the opportunity. That's the best thing for them to bridge that gap between training senior year, playing spring, and then playing summer, getting ready for college fall. Um, we all know how competitive the college baseball, um, you know, lifestyle is now the transfer portal and, and playing time and JUCO baseball, NAI baseball, every level is having guys go from, you know, division one power five to NAI or NAI to power five. Um, and, and that's for all levels. So I think the biggest thing to understand there is like when you commit and you get ready to go play your college freshman fall, that freshman fall could mean everything for your future at that university. Um, and every college does it differently, but as far as the roster sizes, the scholarships, the transfer portal, things are nuts now. And, and we want guys to be ready when they get there. We want them to not just be on campus, we want them to be an impact player on campus. So the the whole hope of it is, look, you can take time off your senior summer, but if you're going into the fall not ready to compete with guys that may be five, six years older than you, like you're, you're going to struggle. So our goal is to help bridge that. Um, and obviously we want to win. We want to compete. We want to build relationships. But like the biggest thing is, we don't want to see all of our guys go in the fall and, and complain about not being prepared or not being ready to, to play with guys of, of their caliber. Um, so it's obviously – we start with a great background of guys. I mean, I think – I'm looking at this year's roster. I think we have like 12 to 13 players that are on the roster that we train and have trained for up to five years. I mean, Theo Nagy's been with us since he was in seventh grade, and he's a senior now, and he's come into a Division One. Um, there's a lot of guys that are like that. Um, that, you know, I've seen the benefit of the training. So when, when we talk recruiting, you know, it's it's somewhat easy when you have an Ethan Lund or an Aiden Schwartz or, or any of these guys that have done it and know what we mean and what we what our interests are and the benefits they can see from that training. Yeah. So some of these top players that we've been able to get, um, you know, it's more of like they're interested in getting better and not just playing in that next summer. Um, the hard part is obviously is HNU baseball is taking a big hit is the college is and the college is in the draft. So I mean, we got a lot of power five guys, even that we train um, that aren't ever going to play with us because of what the colleges are requesting they do in the summer. Um, we've had several of those. We Our 22 roster, if we would have had every player that we trained on top of what we had, we could have beaten anybody in the world. I mean, it would have been the best team that you could have put together and almost all of it from Indiana. But when Andrew Dukanich and Aiden Decker Petty and Gage Stanifer and all these guys, not even just those three, like when they don't even pitch an inning for us, and we still have the summer that we have, like it could have been very scary, but we also understand that's what's best for them. You know, if IU wants them to be on campus and that's what they need to do. If Vanderbilt wants them to be shut down, then build back up for the fall. And that doesn't match our, our alignment, our retirement schedule. And that's not, that's not what's best for them. Um, so we want to make sure we do, we're doing what's best for the player too. So there's, there's tough conversations where, you know, like Nick Heitman needs to, he needs to get to Iowa and that's fine. But like, I sure as heck would love to have him on our team this summer. Um, you know, there's several cases like that that make it difficult for 18 new travel teams to really load up with their best players. It's just even harder for us, I think, because we've worked with these guys for so long and all we want is for them to be able to put on our uniform and take the benefit of the training and the playing. Um, but we also want to make sure that they're doing what's best for them to be ready for their fall. Yeah, for sure. And Seth, Seth and I were talking about that before you hopped on here, talking about how obviously like with me going to IU, knowing all the IU guys, I hear their stories about, you know, being on campus there in June, you know, obviously a lot of SEC schools, you know, have that there as well. And then you think about, you know, 
like you said, Stanford with the draft. I know Adam Chesky was a draft guy who played for you guys last year. Um, I definitely want to dig into that and kind of talking about how you, know, you, how you guys have to, you know, loop around some of those schools that are having their kids want to be on campus there so early. But kind of throwing it back there, obviously with all – you talk about how there's, what, 12, 13 of your trainees that are going to be on that 2024 roster. You know, with those benefits that you guys have on the training side, giving them that 50% off – do you guys continue to see new players that are joining the Mambas eventually become PRP clients? I know you said that was big there in the first year with all, you know, as you guys were continuing to grow, but do you guys continue to see that with these maybe not these players that you maybe not know the best and don't train join that Mambas team and then eventually become PRP clients? Yeah. Um, and I just counted 16. Now we do have like a 34 player roster, but 16 <laughs> players train with us. And obviously we have like 20, I think we have 20, 22 arms um, and just one to protect ourselves, not going back to keep hitting that point, but we had multiple of our, our best arms that threw a ton in the spring, maybe made all the way to state finals. And there's just no point for them to keep throwing. Um, so 16 players this year, that's gotta be our most. I, I gotta imagine, um, which is really cool because they've earned it, you know, and they, they were talking about last year, you know, if they keep getting better, they're going to be able to have a spot in the Mambas, um, which is really cool. But as far as guys coming back, I mean, Seth, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'd say close to half of our college signups are former Mambas. So yeah, I think I looked in. and it was exactly half right now. Yeah. So a lot of those guys come back, and that's what we want. I mean, obviously, it's great when people are off pay, offer to pay full price, but it's like we we want you to come back. We want you to keep training with us because we already have that reputation built and that trust factor. When we only see you for three or four weeks over winter break, we just want to help. We just want to help get you ready for the spring, so you're ready to go. We're not going to overhaul anything. We're going to make sure that you're on plan you follow your plan and that when you leave you have no questions unanswered um, on what you need for your season so that's pretty cool to see and obviously the goal of this all is i mean how many guys can we have in our professional prp program um that are mambas you know like yeah, everyone's gonna have their different plans and some people gotta stay on at the complex for their team and stuff and we get that but the goal is to build this into where what happens in five to ten years from now and we got 15 pro guys out of prp mambas and they're all trained together that'd be awesome yeah, for sure. So, you know, yesterday, I know yesterday's episode there, Greg, when it was you and I, we talked a lot about growth when it came to just PRP baseball in general, everything that's grown here these past four or five years or so. So question for both you guys here with this growth of the PRP training side, have you guys seen it become easier to recruit guys for the Mambas? Obviously in-house is great. You know, I'm sure that's pretty easy, but out of house as well, going and trying to get guys beyond who aren't training with you at that moment in time. With this PRP growth, have you guys seen that recruiting get a little bit easier for that 18U Mambas team? Personally, I think I think it's probably not, I wouldn't say easier. I think more people understand and recognize the brand now. But I don't think 18U is ever going to get easier just with all those hoops that we do have to jump through to make sure everybody's happy. Um, I think that I don't think it would ever get easier, but I do think that they recognize the brand more and they're more open to it. And then it's just every the checklist we have to go through with every kid is just so different with schools, grad parties. They don't want to they want to do family vacations one last time, stuff like that. I just don't think it would 18 U travel baseball recruiting is never going to be easy. I agree. And the only thing I would add there is that from a college perspective, it's gotten much easier. Now colleges are recognizing that when a player goes and asks them, hey, the PRP mom is asking me to play with them. Here's their plan for me. What, what do you think? A couple of years ago, I was having to explain what the hell we were. Like there was a who, what's going on? Now it's like, oh yeah, I mean, I'd actually, I'd be okay with that. Um, 
have the coach call me and talk about, you know, what the projected role is or how many innings that we should stay around, um, which we've done for a lot of players. We've had some of our best arms throw 14 innings on, on three to four starts and then they're done for the summer just because that's all they needed before shutting down. Um, so from a recruiting players, like, yeah, you're always going to have the, you know, do I want to make some money and go to the lake house and, you know, take a few vacations or do I want to go compete in Atlanta one more time for six days? Um, so there, there's always difficulties there and I don't see it changing much. Yeah. So and on top of that, on top of that real quick, um, there are a lot of schools that do reach out to us and ask us, Hey, we want some of our guys on your team. I know like Butler is one of them. We have good relationship with that. They want to push some of their guys to us to play with us, which is like he said, it's a nice change of pace that it's starting to get that way. Yeah. So with all those different hoops that you guys do have to, you know, work around, whether that's, you know, guys for the draft, obviously college is probably that biggest one when it comes to, you know, IU being a school that wants their kids on campus or SEC schools, whatever. Kind of take us through when you guys are looking for players. Are there certain guys that, you know, let's say if they're committed to a certain school, we just know that they don't want their their players pitching the summer. Take us through with all those hoops, the mindset of finding these guys and knowing, okay, maybe if, you know, like you said, Heitman there earlier, he needs to go to Iowa, you know, get ready with the team, whatever. Take us through those hoops and what that mindset is trying to work around them. I think it's it goes both ways. I mean, we we have some guys that get interested in us and, and um, will reach out to us and we want to look more into them and ask their coaches. And, you know, we have we have an application process for the team. So we've had guys apply with references and coaches and stats and their video links and all that stuff. Um, as far as what we're looking for, I mean, a big part of it is just the physical tools. But the second part is just the right type of athlete. Um, we've had very good players that we could have easily gone after, and, and maybe they say no. Um, but we just don't think it's a good fit, whether it be the, the way that they play, the way that they handle themselves, you know, on and off the field. Um, you know, obviously calling yourself the Mambas and, and the whole mentality of the PRP uh, model is having a Mamba mentality. Like, there, there's got to be a certain type of player. Um, and we've had players that, you know, have challenged us in that way. And, you know, our goal is to make them a little bit more either mentally tough or, you know, able to battle through uh, struggles or different things and be able to communicate with adults and just having a presence like a college athlete. Um, so we, we want more mature players that understand what they need, um, more physically aware baseball players on the field. Um, you know, we've taken guys that committed to, you know, schools that people may be surprised about, but we like the way they play the game. We like the way they hustle, right? like the way they put the ball in play. Um, and make things happen. So um, some of our best players and biggest surprises have been guys when we first built the roster, you know, it wasn't really the the top of the crop, you know, guys we were recruiting. I mean, Chris Akers is probably the number one example yeah. of that. This guy we literally added on in the spring because we had multiple injuries um, at catcher. And, I, I mean, we got so lucky with that. It's not even funny. He ended up being a three-hole, leading the team in a bunch of offensive categories, and that has nothing to do with why we liked him. This guy would run through a brick wall – I mean, we got to keep them out of fights. The hotel stuff was very entertaining. Um, there are a lot of good things about Chris Akers I would like to keep going down that route. But we want players <laughs> like that, that, you know, that have that kind of attitude and, and love for the game because, I mean, this game is going to beat you up. No matter what level you're at, whether it's high school, college, professional, like you're going to get a wake-up call sooner and later. So if you can't handle that and you're all about just the flash and, and doing things your way and not being able to adjust, like good luck with our schedule, let alone – a division one schedule or a Juco schedule, you know, those guys are, those guys are going to beat you down physically and mentally. So looking for the right type player is a huge thing for us. As we all know, though, with social media these days and 
showcase talent and travel baseball, everyone changing teams every year. Like it's hard to find those guys on video and on, you know, Twitter or email. So we're doing our best we can. And obviously we want to keep getting better at it. All right. Seth, yeah. On top play. of, on top of what he said there, it's, it is different than other travel ball programs because if we put a product on the field, it's not just reflecting our travel team. It's we've got a business here that we run and we've got a baseball throwing program. I mean, we're an all encompassing program. We can't just, it's a lot of our reputations on the line. If we just throw somebody out there that we don't think respects the game, respects the program, stuff like that. Okay. So I kind of want to dig into that ATNU landscape. Obviously everyone, when they think about, the travel baseball for a lot of those programs, you know, it's whatever, like nine U all the way up till 17 U take us through the 18 U landscape. I know it's a lot different than that. Um, you know, maybe some of the tournaments that you guys are hitting going down South, maybe some of those com competitors rivalries that you guys have there in that 18 U landscape, you know, kind of give us the rundown on that. And then even the benefits of playing travel baseball there for that before that summer, before your freshman year of college, because I know again, there's some schools that want their kids on campus. So, what are the benefits of you know playing travel baseball in the summer, heading into your freshman year, compared to maybe doing something else? I think the biggest thing is like again, going way back when, like 18U summer baseball was the most competitive summer I had. Um, you know, I played with 18U Indiana Bulls, and we had three or four draft picks. We had guys made the big leagues. Our roster was absolutely insane, and every team we played was good. And there was an 18U level. Um, obviously, as that started to die down, it was mainly because more college summer leagues were created and they were bringing on more young players. Um, but again, like that 08 to 12, like realm of time, like if you weren't going to the Cape or maybe the Northwoods, you weren't playing unless you're in like a men's league. So 18U baseball is a real thing. Nowadays, there's 30 college summer leagues that, you know, some are great, some aren't. And, you know, there's good opportunities for players to get reps, but Unfortunately, some of these rosters are very crowded and, and the reps aren't there. You know, it includes a lot of travel and host families and stuff that, you know, it's it's different, um, but it, it can be a challenge for certain families and players too. So, you know, we see it kind of back on the rise right now just because of that post-COVID, like everyone getting kind of back use of the college summer leads and the travel and, and all those things being reopened, um, but also just the trust of the top programs. I mean, there are very good programs in 18 level that take very good care of their players. They develop them. They listen to the college coaches. They listen to scouts and advisors. Um, where back in the day when everyone had an 18 U team, there was a lot of unknown. You know, you don't want a guy show up in the fall that just threw 50 innings in the summer and you had no idea about it. So there's a little bit more control in that landscape now. Um, and I think it's going to keep getting a little bit more important as long as 18 U teams keep doing it right, which is why we try to partner with teams like the Warhawks and Midland and the Chi-Town Cream, like all these teams that that always have good teams every year, there's a reason for it. They're, they're doing things to help those players and colleges are trusting them. Um, players are trusting them. Scouts are trusting them. So, you know, as far as where it's at now and, and what the different dynamic of it is, is most of these tournaments offer 17U slash 18U tournaments. So you do have to deal with playing some lower or younger teams. Um, but there's a lot of good 17U teams. And we had, our, our local tournament last year had all the top Indiana teams in it at 17U level. Um, so there, there's a lot of differences in it, but like the 18U w, WBA is not nearly as big as the 17U. Um, some of the other tournaments that are, you know, 120 teams are more like 60 to 80. But I mean, obviously it, it does trim off some of the fat too. You know, there's only so many tournaments that we've been to that there's a bad team in your pool. So it makes it a little bit more of like every game's a playoff game, which is fun for the nature of making sure that your rotations are set 
and you have your best lineup every day and, and you have a product on the field that has to win. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's obviously a lot of different components to it. We're just trying to make sure that if you play TNU baseball, you have the best opportunity in front of you to get better, manage your workload, and also be ready for the fall. Yeah, our schedule this year is going to be similar to what we had last year. We're going to be going to Florida and then Atlanta for a perfect game um, just to work through their organization. And then we've got two local tournaments here in Indiana, and then we go back to Dayton for that um, Boys of Summer um, coaching in that last year is just the magnitude of each each inning. I mean, each inning was something that there was so much important set on every inning that we played in that tournament. And I think the kids started to realize that. I mean, we had four one-run games to start the tournament, and then we lost yeah. our last one. Um, the pool play was what, there. four and three and three and four every team? Yeah. I mean, there was, was only like one team that teams. did. Yeah. It was, yeah. Every team was even. It was It was incredible. Which is it good. Was, I mean, that's the whole goal. And it was all the top teams in the not just the Midwest, but in the country as a whole, and uh, two teams from Canada. And it's just finding that competition and seeing how the uh, cream rises to the top. It's it's a it's really nice. It's a change of pace to see that, and look forward to continue doing that at the end of the year every year. Yeah. So we, as we talk about that 18U landscape and, you know, the benefits that comes with a lot of these players who are heading to campus in the fall, playing, you know, top tier travel baseball, facing up, you know, having great competition, playing, like you said, every game's a playoff game when you guys are facing teams, you know, all these other Midwest teams here um, that are at that 18U level. When it comes to draft prospects, obviously Josh Adamczewski was on your guys' team last year. I'm sure there were some other guys playing 18U ball as well. When it comes to draft prospects like that, how often are they playing 18U ball? What benefits comes with that compared to maybe playing in a summer league or maybe even just doing training before the draft? Um, kind of take us through on the draft side, what benefits come with playing 18U ball? And, you know, even, kind of even dig into Josh Adamczewski last summer as well um, and the benefits he saw. I mean, I think the best thing there is, like, Josh did it perfectly right. He played with us. He got looked at the biggest tournaments. He got some training in the offseason, and when he told us he had a workout, we told him to go do the workout. Um, he went and worked out for the Brewers and missed games with us, and there was no punishment or, or you know, resilience to it. It's like, go. Like, that's a great opportunity for you. Um, I mean, his, the, his explosion onto the, the draft board in that late spring, early summer was incredible. Um, no offense to personal scouts that I knew, but I had a couple guys like, yeah, what about him? And it's like, I, I take a look, like from just what we're seeing, like I, that bat speed's different. That ability to hit is different. And obviously the glove would come a long way. His foot speed had gotten better. He just matured physically. Um, and, and there's no credit to us on the, on the physical development, what he did. Like when he came down to us, we worked on his swing, gave him reps. He got some, some ground balls and a few live at bats. Um, but you can ask over our pro guys. They threw against him in live at bats during a Mamba's practice. And this guy's just spitting on sliders inches off the plate. And like every, every pro guy was like, I mean, that's different. Like we don't, I wasn't expecting a high school kid to take that. Um, so it was cool to see. And obviously that what was it? Three home runs in a game, Seth, and like nine RBIs in two days or something. Um, and that was in Atlanta, like yeah. just getting going. Um, so obviously there was some, some talk about him and, um, you know, we didn't have him a whole lot, unfortunately, because he went to a bunch of workouts and once the draft happened, it's like, all right, go, go sign. Good, good job. Um, yeah. but it was awesome to see for him because obviously we had just met him the year prior and knew his name, knew he was going to ball state, which we have a great connection with on 
helping players get ready for their fall season. Um, but his his explosion of not only the bat speed and the ability to hit, the ability to play multiple positions in the infield was was really awesome to watch. Um, a lot of credit to him, his family, and all the stuff that he did um, to get himself there. And I'm sure, you know, he gets his feet wet in pro ball. He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna struggle a little bit when he sees a bunch of guys a lot older than him throwing absolute fuzz and, and understanding what complex and low-level uh, minor league baseball is. But he'll adjust and he'll be just fine. Um, his ceiling's high, and he's got a chance to not only continue to physically mature, but that bat is a little bit different from the left side, and it's hard to teach that. Yeah, when I uh, – going back and talking to him, I've kept up with him maybe once every month or two. But he even reached out to some guys we were trying to recruit this year, talked to him for us. I mean, he's he was nothing short of a great guy, super coachable. You could tell that he was – there was something different about him. The attention to detail he had was uh, honestly second to none. I'm really fortunate that I got to coach him last summer. Yeah, I was uh, well, scrolling through well, Twitter – Greg, go ahead. Sorry, I got one story. He uh he was supposed to leave for the All Star game for the for Indiana, and no offense to the other players, but we lost like half our team in the semifinals of the WWBA. And uh, he was like, "Do you want me to stay?" I'm like, "Well, obviously, I want you to stay." <laughs> but he he came up in the up to bat in the last inning. We were down by two, I two, think. Yep. And this kid's just shoving it against us. He's he's flexing on us every end of inning until the seventh inning. When we got lucky on a couple of bats falling, um, got a couple guys on, and he he got up, and they actually hit him to walk off the game, right in the elbow, and he's like beat up. He's played like eight games in six days. He's got to go back and play an all star uh, tournament for three games in two days, and he's like, "You want me to stay?" I'm like, "Dude, can you even play? Like you you can't even bend your arm right now." And he literally was like, "I mean, give me a bag of ice. How much time do we have?" And so he stayed for what like two at bats or something like that. Yep. And got on the road for a 10-hour drive to, what, Purdue, I think it was. And drove uh, yeah, all the way through yeah. from Atlanta, Purdue, to make the banquet. So, like, I mean, if, if anything else, the baseball town, like, the guy's a ball player. He wants to be on the field. Yeah. No, I, I was – I mean, I saw I saw him blowing. You talk about that explosion. I saw him all over Twitter there last summer. Obviously, that three-homer game, all the other highlights he was having throughout the summer. It was pretty – obviously, I'm sure you guys had a pretty uh, – Pretty cool view that first hand point of that first hand point of view watching that explosion everything that he had going on there last summer but you know beyond Josh Adam Chesky kind of want to dig into that product on the field for that 2023 team then we'll kind of go ahead and transition to this upcoming summer in 2024 and those expectations but again beyond Josh take us through that 2023 Mambas team what was that like who were some you know maybe some players that stood out beyond Josh take us through with that 2023. 2023 team look like there for the PRP Mambas? Yeah, it was, uh, we had a lot of uh, guys, like I told you earlier, um, that would uh, show up and do what we asked them to do. I mean, that first tournament, we uh, struggled at first to score offense. We made a little bit of some changes and we kind of erupted from there. And then uh, going into Atlanta, we did really well. And then we just kind of ran out of, bodies we didn't have enough I think we played with 10 guys we only had 10 guys out there for um our last game just because of the Indiana all-star game so I think going back to it like we talked about we just had a lot of scheduling issues just trying to get kids to juggle when they were going to be there when they weren't but overall it was a great group of kids that loved being there um when they were there they were they were bought in they were focused so okay I think just to add to that, we had the most spread out group that we had had to that point. So a lot of guys that we didn't know, um, which was completely fine. But like by the end of the year, we had added like five new players 
just because all the guys either shutting it down or getting to campus early or just their plans changing, which, I mean, we have to respect. And um, obviously it's tough, but when you have guys like Tommy Townsend who comes in and struggles pretty bad that first weekend, but you see it, you know, it's there. You just, he needs to get his feet going again. And all of a sudden he takes off and has a great summer. Um, and that's, I mean, Jay Nomer was another one. Like this guy was on a mission all summer long, was one of our best offensive players, played the field every single game. Um, and we had a lot of good arms. We had a ton of good arms. It's more so just we ran out of them by the end because guys were out of innings and having to shut down, um, which is frustrating, but it's honestly a part of it. Um, but when you meet kids like from Wisconsin, like Max Kalk, we had never met. We knew he was going to Ball State. We knew he was a good player. He was on GRB Rays growing up. Like we just wanted to have a chance to, to work with him. He ended up, you know, staying in, in Westfield area almost all summer, working with our hitting coaches and doing stuff all throughout the summer, catching guys in college summer, PRP, then going to play games. Um, and he was one of our best offensive players as well. So, like, there's a lot of guys that we never would have met if we didn't do it, um, which is pretty cool. It was just overall at the end, like, a tough way to go out when you win your first tournament. You finish fourth in WWBA. I think we won the next tournament. And then, like, the back half of the summer, it's like the rails just started to fall apart. Um, but, you know, it's part of it, and that's where we want to get better for this year. And we have more depth and, and more bodies and guys where we can be a little bit more versatile, you know, going to this upcoming summer. Okay, so moving there from 2023 here to this 2024 summer coming up. Obviously, you guys sent me that roster. Looking at it right now, you know, Ty Brooks, uh, what is it? Kyle Hartman, Braden Hubner going to Ball State. Looking like Lund, Lynch, Brendan Oliver, a Ball State guy that I know really, really well. Max Winders, Bray Bender, all those different guys. Give us a rundown on this 2024 team, those expectations heading into it. And obviously, you, you talk about, you know, building on last year's squad and maybe how you fix maybe that second half that you guys had. Take us through, and Seth, you can kind of start us off here. You know, take us through that 2024 PRP Mambas team. Yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to this, especially starting this Saturday. Um, I've got guys, which I didn't really happen as much last year, but I've got guys that I've only met one time that are sending me videos weekly just asking how they look. Um, I've got guys coming in on Sundays that drive five hours, four hours to get here. And I just think this, this group's already bought in for the most part. Um, the ones that I've met are really bought in and want to – want to do what they can to make sure we win games and they get better as a whole. And uh, I think the, like Greg mentioned, the versatility we have on this team. I, I mean, I know we have, uh, I think Buster plays eight positions. I mean, we've just got guys that'll play four or five positions for us. We can yeah, put them anywhere. <laughs> Twitch hits. Yeah. It's like the versatility this year is unmatched. We, I can't imagine it being any better. Honestly, we've got guys that'll play three or four positions at a minimum this summer. Um I'm really looking forward to that. It's going to be nice to be able to manage that lineup. Yeah, I think it's cool, too. We have a few 25s on there. First year, we've kind of expanded into looking at 2025s. Um, you know, so there's some opportunity there with guys maybe having two years or or just get them for a year and a half of training and playing. Um, but there, there's some good opportunity there with the arms. And, and I mean, just looking at the pitching staff, I, it's going to be a nightmare trying to figure out who's throwing what game. I'm looking at like seven or eight guys that you can hand the ball to. Um, at any time. I think we had like 18 arms total where we had guys that can come out of the bullpen. We had guys that can shut down when we need to. Um, you know, it's it's going to be a good group. It's more so just seeing how they continue to develop this this offseason. This is, I mean, this is the biggest offseason of their life. Um, going their senior year, getting ready for college, and, and even more than that, um, I think we'll be in a great place after this winter, and hopefully we can have a small part in, in their development and see them flourish in the spring, and then when they get to summer, we'll hit the ground running. Okay, so winter practice, is it starting this Saturday, you said? 
Yes, sir. All right, winter practice starting this Saturday. Take us through the plan here these next couple of months, kind of what the plan is going into each Saturday's practice. I know there's not a lot of travel organizations that are doing those, you know, all team practices. So give us the rundown, what those practices are looking like, how they might be a little bit different than the actual training programs that are going on with PRP. Take us through this winter program, this these winter plans. What are those winter practices looking like for the PRP Mambas? Yeah, what we've got right now is with everybody's, I mean, we've got some guys that play basketball, some that are, like we've got a kid from Georgia, we've got a kid from Florida, so they're not going to be able to make it all. So we have a minimum, I think there's four mandatory practices um, that we set dates on. But what we're going to do is we're going to split up and the pitchers are going to focus on their arm care, their arm programs, their winter programs, and start getting them built up uh, for live ABs, hopefully in the end of February. Um, and then our hitters, we're just going to start working on um, their approaches, individualized approaches, and then kind of what we're looking for in their at-bats. And then we'll do some team stuff on those mandatory practices. But the, uh, the biggest thing and one of the biggest pros that I think people need to understand is we're going to have pro guys ready to throw in January, February before they leave. Our Mamba hitters are going to be facing them. I mean, I don't know where else you're going to see somebody throw 103 at you. Um in January. So, I mean, last year we had that with our guys. It's a, it's a huge eye opener, but I really think that's a good way for them to just speed up the process going into their spring. So it's going to be a lot more um, individualized stuff than we've done before. It's going to be based on needs. And then we're going to do those drills based on their specific needs. So I've kind of got a template um, that's all just based on how we look at those guys this first week. And then it's going to hit the ground running on December 9th with that. Like you said, I think a lot of it's just learning what those guys do, you know, what they do well, what they train, what they focus on, um, and just mold into that. Make sure that they're sticking to their plan, um, that they have at home throughout the week. We're not trying to overall, you know, swing patterns or deliveries, but we want to help fine tune where there's opportunity. Um, as we all know, there's the players that are more receptive to that than others. And the best part about what we do is we have a lot of coaches that that can help and they might, might find one coach that, that helps them more. Um, I mean, last year was really cool. We had Dylan Peters, Bryce Montes de Oca, Chase McDermott, who's Orioles minor league pitcher of the year. Um, a bunch of our, our pro guys were helping during our practices. So pretty cool to see like a guy throwing a bullpen, watch Dylan Peters tell him about how to, where to start his breaking ball at or how to land it and then how to go to with it. Um, so like we can sit there and, and talk to them to her blue in the face. All it takes is a big leader to tell you one thing, and they're locked in. Um, but, I mean, last year we had Montes de Oca, who's up to 102. Um, Bachman, who debuted in the big leagues this year. Dylan Peters, first year overseas, but has three or four years of big league time. Um, all throwing live against our Mambas hitters. And they had no idea what they were getting themselves into. It's like Bryce gets up there in the first pitch is nine, nine and a half, two seamer right down the middle. And the lefty's just like, what, what, what am I supposed to do with that? You know, and it's like – it's pretty cool to see because those kids, like you can kind of find out what they're made of, um, but also just you're never going to be able to do that again. I mean, how many guys get to face big league arms and live at bats, let alone inside Indiana. Um, but that's a big benefit of obviously the program in itself. Um, I love that our pro guys offer to help out with those guys. Cause they know it's kind of that next, the next crop of players from Indiana that are, that are getting out into college baseball. Um, but as Seth said, like a lot of it's, we want to talk approaches. We want to talk mindsets. Um, we are huge on picking the right pitch to hit, getting in the right counts. And when you're in the box, same thing on the mound, working ahead, getting a header out in three pitches or less, first pitch strikes. Like we're doing bullpens with these guys. Like we're not, 
some people might think we're just trying to blow up the rare gun when they come in. Like some of these guys, we don't even know technically where they're at with their, with their arm development. So we talk to them about it. And if they're just trying to throw a nice, easy bullpen, like we'll set a goal for the bullpen of, all right, what's one thing you struggle with? Uh, landing sliders. All right, well, in the middle of the bullpen, we're going to go five sliders in a row. Try to land all five. See where you get. If we struggle, let's do it again. If not, we'll move on. Um, so it's just helping guys understand what their stuff does and, and just that mentality of, of when you're in the box, what your approach is, or when you're on the mound, what's important. I can only control these things, putting the ball in the zone, throwing hard, and trying to put them away. So outside of that, like, let's not worry about what my glove arm's doing or how my back foot's rotating off the rubber. We'll spend other time doing that. But when we're here doing this, let's work on developing your mindset as a pitcher or as a hitter. So you both talk about, you know, developing that mindset, developing that approach there throughout those winter workouts. Again, you guys are obviously big on that Mamba mentality. Obviously, I've seen, you know, a bunch of PRP shirts saying Mamba mentality. How are you guys incorporating that, you know, going through those winter workouts, talking to guys? What are the best ways to incorporate that Mamba mentality, having the right mindset, having the right approach? How do you guys go about incorporating that within your Mamba's players? I think the way I look at it is when you start seeing dogs, you're going to try to become one because you're not going to be the odd man out. I think they look at it more as a group setting that they start realizing that they're not the best player. Um, when maybe they're training at a, on their, one of our guys in house, let's say, and he's throwing at five o'clock and that five o'clock group, there's 15, 20 kids. He might be the best player in that group. You get a group of these guys together. You're not really the, you're not a standout as much as you think anymore. So then they kind of start honing in on that and realizing there's got to be work to be done. Um, and then I think instilling the attention to details, the biggest thing for me is the little things that we can do with your mindset and approach. We can start building on top of that. That's just a foundation week one, week two, we get eight, nine weeks of practice. And I think you notice the guys that stand out by the end of the summer are guys that, don't just do stuff with us on Saturday. They're guys that ask about stuff on Wednesday, send us a video on a Thursday. They're back at home doing stuff in their facility. I think it's just the, they've got to realize that they have to put the work in. It's not just the two hours we have them on that Saturday. Right. I think you said it best. The mentality part is more just the culture that we've kind of created and molded. Um, it starts with the coaches. Um, you know, we try to keep it as, as straightforward, get your work done and get out and, and be focused while you're here. Um, but also like, like he said, I mean, there, there were groups last summer and, the, and especially the 22 summer where there was a line of 50 kids watching eight guys do shovel step pull downs or, or mound velo. And it can get a little testy. I mean, there's, there's some smack talk. There's some velo competitions. Like you start seeing some big numbers and, and it makes it fun. I mean, again, you're not, you might have to play against them in the sectional, but right now you're just competing against each other. You know, we had that special last year, just the HSC and the Fishers guys. I mean, I don't know if Kyle Manship and Tal Brady are best friends, but they're pitching against each other in the sectional. But during velo days, they're getting after with each other. And that's or just a Jacob different Culp. dynamic. Jacob oh, Culp yeah, getting sorry. tossed. Yeah. Culp, yeah. Make sure we get included <laughs> in that one. Uh, yeah. yeah, Culp getting tossed from the sectional game, but also just every velo day, like you don't even talk to Jacob Culp. You just – we don't sit back and watch. Yeah, we made uh, we made Bradle and Culp room together twice just so they would uh, get a little better relationship. It was it turned out to be good. I mean, that's just the culture that we are building there. It's not just about you're not just competing with other guys; you're competing with yourself with that. So yeah, and I again, like, it goes it goes back to that part. Just like now, those kids are friends. I bet right. they during that sectional they couldn't stand each other. You know, I mean, maybe not. I could be wrong. I'm gonna speak for them, but like 
I know going back to when I was playing, like one of the kids I hated the most playing against. I had a room with my first week of 18U summer. Me and Hobbs are still best friends. Like I thought I hated the guy, but now yeah. like we're still best friends of the day. And I don't know if Colton Bray will ever get to that point. And there's obviously other kids on the team, but like you can be Noblesville, Carmel, Lawrence North, you know, Fishers, HSC. It doesn't matter when you're with PRP, you're with PRP. And we've had, we've had guys tell stories like pissing off coaches because they're over talking to the other team and their PRP buddies, you know, during high school games. It's like, Oh, sorry. You know, at least they're the best players on your team. That, that should help you out at least enough. <laughs> yeah. I know, I know we talked about that culture there yesterday, you know, talking about, I think we, I think the example was Sullivan and Lund being there at the same day, you know, having those Velo wars, you know, going off, you know, just battling with each other. But you know, earlier you guys, I think it was both of you guys mentioned about having a couple 2025s on this year's squad. Is there a motivation to potentially add other age groups to the PRP Mambas or are you guys wanting to, you know, maybe solely focus on that 18 year level? There's motivation to have more. There's definitely motivation to have more. It's more like leave just, it at that. Probably <laughs> just making sure that we have uh, everything in line with, you know, how big we get and making sure that the product is what the product needs to be. Um, there's a lot of good travel teams in the state. We all know that. There's a lot of good coaches in the state. But obviously, if we can have a product that that drives development and drives better baseball players and, and doing things the right way, you know, I think our, our whole goal is to push baseball in the Midwest and especially the state of Indiana and in the Midwest part of the state. Um you know, our, our goal is simply that. So if, if it has more teams in it, it has more teams in it. It's more so we are not going to have 30 teams. We are not going to have B teams. We're not going to have, you know, a bunch of players leaving and, and coming and going. Um, not that other programs can't do that. That's fine. But the way that we care about the product on the field and the product in the facility is making sure that it's done the right way. So definitely, yes, it's just more so how to how to best manage it. Yeah, the resources for one team is one thing, but when you start doing four, five, six, seven teams, I mean, the resources are – it's a bell curve. So it's definitely something that uh, you have to be wary about going into that. Yeah, for sure. So earlier on, you both, you guys both talked about, I believe it was Ball State, Butler, both schools that you guys have great relationships with that or even maybe even having players reach out to play for you guys there in that 18U summer. Throughout these past couple of years, as you guys have – grown as a team have proved on proved to proved to these colleges that you, know, you guys are doing it the right way and actually developing these ball players. What are some of those relationships you're able to build with some of these college programs? You know, I know for, you know, some, for some travel organizations, you know, who are, you know, do the 17, 16, U, 15, U, they do help out within the recruiting process with you guys being 18, U, do you guys do that at all as well? For the most part, or most of these guys commit, I, Obviously, most of these guys committed. I'm not sure what exactly that's looking like. But can I just take us through the relationship you guys be able to build with all these different college coaches throughout these couple of years with the PRP Mambas? Well, guys the that are – Go ahead, Seth. Go ahead. Uh, the guys that are uncommitted or especially like our 25s, I mean, we've got to make sure their goal is to play in college. And guys that we have uncommitted, we usually have – I think the last two years before this year, we've had, I don't know, I'd say one or two on each team. And we've – we do what we can to talk to whatever coaches. We send out all their information, video. We get as much video as we can, uh, especially in the off season. But even if they're still uncommitted coming into the summer, we're going to do what we can to make sure that they get as many eyes on them as possible. Um, like last year, we had Evan Cook. He ended up had a bunch of schools. We had two weekends with him, got him his opportunities, and he ended up going to Lipscomb. I mean – uh, Cody Camps two years ago raked for us all summer. Didn't know where he was going. Went to a JUCO. I mean, we've we try to do what we can with those guys 
to uh, make sure that they're going on and playing at the next level. That's what it's all about. Yeah, I think the the dynamic is definitely different now, but especially with the transfer portal stuff, a lot of these, you know, going into senior years get a little bit delayed and slept onto a point because of how much movement there is late in the recruiting process. Um, they're probably more aggressive on the underclassmen, but maybe even less aggressive on some of the guys that slip through the cracks and end up becoming an uncommitted senior. Um, but we've got a handful still, like Patrick Mazur, James Charlin, um, Easton Smith, who's a 25, um, Sam Folk, a couple of guys that, you know, we've had some some good stuff with them and, and we want to see it put on the field. They're going to find a good home and we'll do everything we can to make sure they get the opportunities that they want. But, I mean, Evan's a, a prime example. He trained with us for what, six weeks and was – you know, I, we heard he's up to 86, 87, but, like, we were seeing things that definitely needed cleaned up, and he worked his tail off, and he ended up getting up to 90 in that spring and summer, got a bunch of attention. Um, we made sure to set up that he was throwing when a college could be there, and he threw, and he's at Lipscomb. So, like, this guy went into his senior summer uncommitted. Um, good arm, he earned it, but it's like there's a lot of opportunity that was, you know, with the training especially, but then transferred into the playing side, where it was all the same coaches and the same people. Uh, to make sure we pushed him in a way that was beneficial to him. Yeah. All right. So, you know, no, no matter what business it is, and this is obviously something that we've talked about before, you know, there's always up and downs, you know, kind of looking back on these past three, you know, going into year four, kind of take us through maybe some of the ups and downs you guys have seen through this PRP Mambas, you guys, when you guys at your highest high at your lowest low, what are some of those up and downs you guys have seen throughout this Mambas experience? Well, I would just say on my front, the 34 and two, team we had in 2022 I think that's probably the highest high that we've had um that team it didn't matter how many we were down what it looked like they knew they were going to win they were going to make sure they were going to win whatever it took and that team just kind of transformed the mentality that we've looked for the whole team bought in even the kids that didn't play anymore they their innings were shut down or they just weren't getting many reps they still wanted to be there and they still wanted to fight and uh seeing stuff like that is just it's really rewarding as a coach to see stuff like that. Um, I'd say the the lows is just – it's more so just the logistics. Like we get kids scheduling conflicts or they realize that they have four weeks before they're in college and they might not have a summer, that they want to take a vacation. Um, the lows would be just making sure kids understand the importance of that summer between their senior year and freshman year. I would just add, yeah, the misunderstanding of what the summer is like with us. Um, there's some kids that say no or some kids that, you know, we had a kid back out into the spring last year um, with like a week notice. And I just don't think we understand what the summer's like, how we can help, how we can help manage it, um, make it easier on you and your family, um, whether it's the hotel rooms being covered, helping with the travel, scheduling your, your outings on days you can make it around your work schedule. Uh, we've worked around a lot a lot, whether it's working home on a farm or a college level internship or college summer classes, find players back and forth. Like we are here to help you get what you need done. Um, the lows for me, the frustrating parts for me is when we're making uneducated um, decisions on what that senior summer is just because of, you know, either your buddy that isn't playing or a guy that is at your college that says to go to this league or that league. And then halfway through the summer, you're asking us to play the last couple weekends because that summer league, you're getting three at-bats in a week, you know? So it's it's more of that stuff, which it's more we're trying to change that culture of 18U baseball, whether, whether that benefits us directly or just all the teams that are doing it right. And that's that's the goal. 
Um, there's, there's a lot of good programs out there that have been fighting this battle for a while. Um, we're here to help them. You know, it's, we're in, we haven't been here very long, but we feel like we're having an impact right away um, that hopefully, you know, continues to gain more trust from Power 5 schools and scouts and, and stuff like that, even if it's just for four weeks. Um, I think there's ways that we can help a player that's, you know, going to Notre Dame or going to Louisville, going to Vanderbilt, going to IU, wherever, um, that just maybe plays the month of June. And they get July off or get to campus in July, and they still get all the stuff, you know, that they, they want done as well. Um, but obviously one step at a time, it's more so just – continue to build the right teams. And like you said, the 22 classes, it wasn't just the record or the championships. It was like every weekend, everyone was excited. Everyone was having fun. Um, there are a lot of good stories on in that group, not outside, just outside the tournament schedule. All right. So one last question. Well, I guess I got, I got a couple more questions here about the actual PRP Mambas. Then we'll do last couple of questions, digging into everything else, you know, Seth's doing there at PRP. Um, you know, when we were texting this morning, you did mention about how the travel is a little bit different than other organizations. Wasn't 100% sure what you meant by that. I guess, Greg, kind of to take us through what exactly you mean. We talk about travel for the PRP Mambas. Seth, whatever you have to add there as well. What exactly were you talking about there when you're talking about travel? Um, well, I mean, a lot of the lower level, not lower level, younger teams um, are spending the majority of their time at home. Um, unfortunately, there's not enough, which I word this right, there, it lacks quality of tournaments in the area at the ATU-specific level for what we need to get in. So there's maybe one or two that are good enough um, that we should play in and we should definitely compete in. But we're trying to find better ways to get our players those opportunities locally um, or at least within the neighboring state, which is why we did the Warhawks partnership and the tournament with them. Um, but, like, we need to go to Florida for the BCS National Championship. The best teams are there. We know that they're going to be there. There's no question um like we should go same thing with the wwba that's not just raven perfect game anyone can offer the tournament if all the best teams are going to be there we want to know um and we want to join so it's more so like we have to travel a little bit more but we also help with that travel we've driven players we've fl we've flown players um we want to help out any way we can as long as you when you're here you're locked in ready to play some good baseball so and then we're not the only team doing that there's other teams that do it as well um, but especially the at the younger levels, it's just there's a lot more things that go on with parents and the work schedules and, you know, to get people there. Uh, fortunately for us, almost every player can drive themselves to a turn, um, maybe outside of Georgia or Florida. So we want to help out where we can. It's just a little bit different dynamic than um, the lower level, the younger levels, because you know, once you get to college, you're, you're traveling out of state every other weekend. So, you know, it's a different dynamic once you get to that point. Seth, anything to add? Nope. He hit it on the head. Um, it's just the caliber, the quality of opponents that we see, we have to have a broader radius to do that. Um, we don't want to just it, – yeah, it would be nice to play six tournaments at home uh, where we get everything we need, but we just – the schedule doesn't allow that, so we have to broaden our horizons, uh, go outside of that. Okay, so final question. Great. Greg, go ahead. All right, so final question here when it comes to the actual PRP Mambas. You know, we talk about, you know, the motivation to add other age groups, the the, actual, the absolutely loaded roster you guys have there for that 2024 summer. You know, kind of looking ahead to 2024, 2025, 2026, whatever, just the future of the PRP Mambas, if everything's going right, kind of take us through what that vision would be and kind of where you guys see this PRP Mambas squad going these next couple of years. I think the biggest thing is just continue to build it the, in the right way. And wherever that takes us, it takes us. 
that might mean a couple teams. It might mean a false scout team. Um, it might mean, you know, just two levels where it's like we have a committed 18, 17U, 18U team and an uncommitted 17U, 18U team where guys are uncommitted are going to play at tournaments that are more to their needs, more based on recruiting demands and making sure they get all those things in it. And then the committed guys are going maybe to more 18U tournaments, um, not to say harder tournaments, but ones that are more focused on just playing high-level competition. Um, there's different routes there. I think the best way that I, I envision it is we can be as nationwide as we want to be, but I want to help the state of Indiana be one of the best states of baseball in the country. That means with what I think our program can do for you is we want more Indiana players to be on it. We just have to find a way to make it work, whether it's colleges, scouts, players' interest levels. Um, you know, we have four or five of the best arms in the state in our training facility as in the senior class. I think one or two of them are on the team. That's fine. But as we continue to get this a little bit more trusted and a little bit more understanding what we're doing, the hope is that every top player can play with us for even just a couple weekends. I'd just like to see the culture go into our program as a whole. Um, the kids and the relationships we build with the Mambas, seeing those type of relationships, that culture every day on the training floor, um, I think that's kind of where the future is, is blending that a little more and having a more of that culture in both hand in hand. Okay. So beyond the Mamba, Seth, I know you're also a trainer there within PRP baseball. I think you said you're there at the office right now. I'm sure no problem. Yeah, yeah. We're hopping off this phone call might be going and working with some high school kids coming in or something, but you know, beyond coaching that Mamba's 18 U group also take us through maybe some of those other job duties you have there within PRP baseball. Uh, yeah, I help uh, Greg with the business side, but I also train in the hitting pitching and then I do the skill classes we offer. Um, so the fielding, um, speed and agility, and then we have a catching coach. So, so you talk about that speed and agility. Obviously, does that mean that you're working with both the pitchers and the hitters? Or are you working directly with one side? How does that so, work? So, yeah, our uh, we offer skill classes. So this is just part of another bonus of our program. Um, we offer outfield, infield, um, speed and agility, and catching classes that are a little more specific to that position instead of just broadening pitching and hitting. Um, and uh, so it could be anybody. I mean, we've got POs in there that are just trying to work on footwork stuff. We've got big six foot five, 300 pound first baseman in there trying to do the same thing. So I wouldn't say it's a specific position. It's more what your specific needs are for speed and agility. Um, but the biggest thing I, I would say is the infield. Um, we have a youth class that's up to 28 kids. And then we've got a high school advanced group that's at 20 um, right now for this session. And uh I think that's where I see a lot, little more of a reward personally, just to see the growth that those kids have in six weeks. We have twelve sessions. Um, yeah. So, so with that, working with them. Sorry. So, so with that specialization within fielding, within speed and agility, you know, where does that specialization come from? You know, where does that experience come from? Where did you kind of learn you know, the actual training side to that part of the game? Kind of take us through that specialization. Um, yeah, so I guess, I mean, I played infield, so I would say that would probably be the biggest thing there. And then that's always what I've been worked on, whether it's travel, private classes, whatever I took, it was always speed, um, and then infield. So I kind of just transfer that knowledge on and then starting coaching in uh, high school, like at Eastbrook, I was the infield coach. And then I was the, uh, infield coach at, um, HSE as well. So I kind of just any coaches clinic I could go to, I'd soak up as much knowledge, take that with me and kind of just build on top of that. 
Okay, so you talk about that excitement you have there for those six-week programs of seeing all the development there from day one all the way leading up there to week six. You know, with all this time you spent there with PRP Baseball, Greg, this is a question I'm going to have to ask you tomorrow. Or when is it? Is it tomorrow when we finish off our, our segment? But, um, you know, these past couple of years training at PRP, um, can I take us through maybe some of the guys that you've seen evolve exponentially or just develop at, at a pretty fast level throughout your time at PRP? Yeah, uh, well, one example is on this year's Mambas team, uh, Brady Minnick from Homestead. He is an uncommitted that we're trying to help find a home. He came in throwing, I think, 80, 81. I know he's already tested up to 85. Hitting-wise, he he just hit set our record, actually, at 104.3 um, on Monday, exit below hitting. He's making great strides. He Kids that buy in are going to see the results that they want um kids that buy into just what we're trying to offer it's not even necessarily like a cookie cutter program it's fixing their needs and what they need and they'll see the dividends in it and the kids that buy in have success like brady or um, last year jay omer was always in wanting to do stuff uh working on stuff um connor mish he was on our 2022 mamba's team he comes down and sees me do hitting stuff every college break he has he goes to xavier um it's just guys that guys that you're going to see two, three years down the road when they're in college that come back and want to work with you are kids that are bought in that they're going to see the results. The more work you're going to put in doing that, the more results you're going to see. Yeah. So you talk about that six-week program. I believe you said there's two different ones when it comes to the high school level. I think you said for the youth as well. Yeah. Yep. What do those six-week programs look like? Um, it depends on, so for the youth, um, it's more so we work on footwork one day and glove work the other day. So we have two days a week, six weeks. Um, we try to make it, especially for the youth light something. I've got 30 kids. I've got me and one other coach. It's, it's like putting kittens in a shoe box. It's impossible to keep them attention span. So we have to make sure that they're enjoying it. Um, but we want to make sure not, it's not just babysitting. We want them to get something out of it. So we're always working on little details that, hopefully foundationally build in a six-week program and then with the high schoolers it's kind of like what we're going to do with the mamas it's more individualized we'll base it on corner infield middle infield and we'll have them do drills blended okay so i got one final question here for both you guys here before we do end it off so it's just kind of you know kind of going to kind of going to give you guys the floor here anything else you guys want to talk about anything you know maybe a recruiting pitch to come train with prp go play for the prp mambas whatever what are maybe some of those final words for you guys? I think the biggest thing for me is just if if you're looking to take the game to, to the next level, and usually most of our guys have a very solid foundation already, um, you know, the biggest thing for us is the individualization, the attention to detail. You know, everything's monitored, everything's tracked. Your assessments are are a lot more detailed than what most kids have gone through. Um, you know, we've had guys that are already top players in the state that, you know, their senior year decide to come train with us. You know, and like Jack Brown's a – a perfect example of like just starting to train with us after he's already proven himself to be one of the best players. He just needs a little bit more structured plan this year than what he's had to make sure he's prepared for the senior year because he's a two way. That's going to be probably the ace of a very, very good team. Um, we don't have to overhaul things. We don't have to try to change who you are and what you do. Well, we're just trying to make sure that you understand what your body's doing, how to manage it and what little things maybe can help you take that next step. Um, so not much of a recruiting pitch is more of just like what the right type player is for us. Um, you know, I would say as well, like the one of the hardest things for me being down in Florida now is my oldest is now old enough to be in youth PRP. And like, he'd be there every single night if it was possible. 
one, because he wants to, which is nuts to me already. But two, it's more of just like when you start that foundation that early, you look at piling on five, six, seven years of that training, like you're going to be so far ahead of just skill awareness and skill development. Um, like you're just going to have such a bigger and broader way of, of adjusting to the game of baseball, which you're meant to fail in than kids that are just starting to get going with it. And they should play multiple sports and they should do everything that they want to do. Um, but we would really want to see where the game of baseball in Indiana is going. We're starting to see it trickle down to those younger ages because these Fishers and HSC kids are watching their high school team make state runs every year. You know, same thing in Carmel and Westfield and Noble's like, these youth programs are making it that way because they're watching the high school product on the field do it and they're seeing what they do to get there. So like, I would recommend more of that stuff to any facility, any client, any, any, any family getting into baseball is just, if they want to do it, get them into it early. Don't try to do too much, but make sure that they're exposed to the things that, that they want to get exposed to in the game of baseball early on, because they're going to get a lot out of it just from a learning standpoint. And that might mean it helps them in football later on, or might help them in basketball but at least they're going to understand how much opportunity there is to get better at the young, the young ages. You just got to find the right coaches for you. And we may not be that, but there's probably something that we can offer that's going to help you, whether it's Seth's infield classes, our catching classes, our camps, or our advanced memberships where you can come in for six days a week, three hours a pop. You know, I think, I think Ethan Ludd might be in our building more than his house, which is fine. But we want to make sure that he is getting every single thing that he wants to get so that when he gets to the college level – he knows exactly what his body needs to do and, and to be able to compete with guys that are getting ready to be drafted and, you know, a program that's obviously one of the top in the country. Yeah. Like Greg said, I mean, it's not just um, what we offer, but the kids that we work with, the results that they have, the better that they, the better results they have look better for us because as a business or as a uh, company as a whole, trying to improve the state of Indiana's baseball programs. I mean, the more success we have, the more people are willing to trust us with their kids, uh, the broader net that we're going to be able to cast doing that. So I would just say the biggest recruiting thing I can say is just look at our results, look at the results we have with kids. Um, and just if kids are willing to give us a chance, I think they see the results they want. Okay. All right. Well, guys, I lied. I got one last question here before we do end it off. So <laughs> okay. we mentioned Jack Brown kind of put an idea in my head here. So obviously with you guys training Jack Brown, you know, you guys have Adam Chesky's last year, Gage Danifer. I know the Deckers are there as well. Um, when you guys are working with those draft prospects, you know, you talk about the relationships you have with college coaches, but what about those draft advisors? What are those relationships you guys have been able to build these past couple of years with advisors? What's that kind of looking like? Uh, everyone was very different on what they uh, want, need, expect. Um, not in a bad way, but they're usually very different. Um, some agents have been, and advisors have been very, very helpful in the process of just making sure they have what they need. Um, some are a little bit more demanding. Some are more questioning. Some are more, uh, have already built trust with us. Um, I think the one thing I'd say with scouts and, and advisors and anyone involved in that realm is just a conversation with our staff can really help things go a long way with that player's development. Um, understanding where we come from, what we've kind of built with that player, um, or if it's someone like Jack who's just recently started having a conversation early on about, you know, what the goals of the training are. Um, obviously, social media can be misleading. You watch a couple of videos of guys, you know, running and throwing or whether they hate water bags or don't like med balls or don't like axe bats or whatever it is. 
um, just understand what goes into that because you can take things out of context pretty easily on social media on what we're actually doing and all in the plans that go into that. Um, but there's a lot of good ones and there's a lot of people that have been helpful for our free agents. You know, we've had guys in the professional ranks that have been released and signed and, you know, we've done workouts with them and helped those agents kind of get them exposure with TrackMan data and edutronic film and, and stuff that can help them at the, at the professional scouting realm. Um, it's more so just making sure that there's a conversation on, you know, what the plan is and how we can be a part of their development without doing things that's maybe unnecessary or unwanted by that player um, or that team. Um, so just trying to find the best way to help. Again, I, I think there's probably some, some doubt that, you know, things that we are always doing are, are in the best interest of the, of the player because we are aggressive in the, the realm of training and the, the ways that we're trying to push these players to be their best. Um, but there's always a reason for those actions. And we, and we also check just about every single thing to make sure that they are doing it the right way or they're recovering well or their development is in the right direction. All right. Well, guys, you know, that's the final question here for you on the J-Care podcast. I really appreciate you guys coming on the show. It was great learning about the PRP mamas and everything you guys got going on. And again, I've been seeing every, I've been scrolling through Twitter, Instagram, whatever, and I constantly been seeing, you know, PRP. I know this is the second episode here of this PRP series. So I still got a couple more to go this week. Got quite, got a couple tonight, a couple of these next couple of days. So, you know, I'm really excited to keep digging into it, see everything that PRP has got going on. But again, guys, just appreciate you guys coming on the show. I really appreciate you having me. Yep, thanks again. Thank you.